You are listening to Scripture Study Jams, a podcast scripture study companion. I'm Rachel Wilson, and for episode three, we will be exploring the testimonies of the witnesses of the Book of Mormon. The Lord revealed to Joseph Smith that he would provide three special witnesses that would see the plates from which this work should be translated. Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris, who were helping Joseph with the work, wanted him to ask God if they could be those witnesses. Through the Urim and Thummim, Joseph received a revelation in which the Lord promised that if they relied upon Christ's word with full purpose of heart, they would see the plates and would also have the opportunity to testify of them by the power of God. Days later, the prophecy was fulfilled. They were sitting on a log when they were overshadowed by a light more glorious than that of the sun. In the midst of this light, but a few feet from them, appeared a table upon which were many golden plates, also the sword of Laban and the directors, or the Liahona. David Whitmer said, I saw them as plain as I see you now, and distinctly heard the voice of the Lord declaring that the records of the plates of the Book of Mormon were translated by the gift and power of God. This moment not only gave those three men a powerful testimony of the Book of Mormon, it relieved Joseph's feelings of isolation, a burden which was almost too heavy to bear. In their written testimony, the three witnesses declared that the Lord commanded them to bear record of their spiritual experiences. An angel showed them the plates and the engravings. They heard God's voice declare that the plates were translated by the gift and power of God. These experiences led to a surety that if they were faithful, they would dwell with God. The eight witnesses also testified that Joseph Smith showed them the plates. They handled the leaves with their hands and saw the ancient engravings. Like the three witnesses, they testified with the surety that Joseph had the plates and they gave their names as a witness unto the world of what they had seen. After reading their testimonies, I wanted these guys to be more than a name I read at the bottom of the page. I wanted to know who they were, how they were involved in God's work, and what happened to them. I hope that as I share what I have found of their stories, trials, errors, and sacrifices, we can discover together essential eternal principles and strengthen our faith. So first, who was Oliver Cowdery? Oliver Cowdery was born on October 3rd, 1806 in Wells, Vermont. In 1826, at age 20, he moved to New York. He worked as a store clerk until 1829 when he began teaching. Because Joseph Smith's siblings were among some of his students, Oliver boarded with the Smith family. There he learned that Joseph was translating ancient golden plates. He prayed about the plates and received a confirmation that Joseph's work was of God. Cowdery said, The subject seemed working in my very bones. I have made it a subject of prayer, and I firmly believe that it is the will of the Lord that I should go to Harmony to assist Joseph with the translation. From April to June 1829, Oliver was a scribe for Joseph. During the fall and winter of 1829, Oliver supervised the printing of the Book of Mormon, which was published on March 26, 1830. The church was organized on April 6, 1830. From June to October, Oliver helped Joseph finish this Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. He also served as the first church recorder, keeping the official minutes of meetings, editing and writing church newspapers, overseeing the Book of Mormon publication, and recording early church history. Known to be an effective administrator, writer, and preacher, he was called as the associate president to Joseph Smith. 
Oliver later led the first major mission of the church, in which the Book of Mormon was taken to the Native Americans. On April 3, 1836, he had a temple vision of Christ with Joseph, and around the same time, they received the priesthood keys. In early 1838, the three witnesses started feeling competitive with the prophet. Oliver disagreed with some of the prophet's financial, political, and doctrinal decisions, and was eventually excommunicated from the church, partly for telling lies about the prophet. However, although Oliver left the church, he never denied his testimony of the Book of Mormon, despite over 10 years of social and political pressure and persecution. In letters to family members, he described feeling hurt by the church's decision, but he still believed his experiences were real. Allegedly, Oliver wrote a pamphlet defending his choice to leave the church. However, no original text exists, and the pamphlet used his phrasing but changed his conclusions. His wife described that he always, without one doubt, affirmed the divinity and truth of the Book of Mormon. After his excommunication, he returned to Kirtland, Ohio, to continue the study and practice of law. He became a well-respected democratic civic leader and was almost elected to the first state legislature. He eventually returned to Iowa with his wife and young daughter, desiring rebaptism and fellowship in the church. In October 1848, he was rebaptized in Council Bluffs. At age 43 in March of 1850, he died of a long-term respiratory condition while preparing for the saint's journey west. Even on his deathbed, he reaffirmed his testimony of the Book of Mormon, the restored priesthood, and the reality of Christ. Who was David Whitmer? David Whitmer was a farmer from Fayette, New York. He first heard of the Book of Mormon on a business trip to Palmyra, New York in 1828. David and Oliver became friends and would often discuss in letters the rumors surrounding Joseph Smith and the gold plates. When Oliver began working as Joseph's scribe in Harmony, Pennsylvania, and after mobs had forced them to leave, Oliver wrote a letter to David sharing his testimony of the work with a sample of the translation, asking if they could use the Whitmer home in Pennsylvania to finish the work. The day after receiving the letter, David went out to plow his fields and found five to seven acres already finished. The next day, David went to grab fertilizer from his sister's house, who told him that three strangers had fertilized his field already. In response to these miracles, David's father said, There must be an overruling hand in this, and I think you had better go down to Pennsylvania. After a three-day trip, he arrived in Harmony and was greeted by the prophet and Oliver, whom he hadn't told of his arrival. In David's own words, Joseph had informed Oliver when I started from home, where I stopped the first night, how I read the sign at the tavern, where I stopped the second night, etc., and that I would be there that day before dinner. This was a testimony to him that Joseph was truly a prophet, seer, and revelator. During the translation process at the Whitmer farm, Oliver, David, Martin, and Joseph saw an angel who showed them the plates, the breastplate, the sword of Laban, the Urim and Thummim, and the Leahona. This was a fulfillment of revelation. When violent mobs destroyed the printing office, demanded that the Mormons leave the area, and tarred and feathered the leaders, David Whitmer boldly testified of the truth. John P. Green, one church leader, reported that while the mob threatened them with instant death at gunpoint unless they denied the Book of Mormon and confessed it to be a fraud, David Whitmer lifted up his hands and bore witness that the Book of Mormon was the word of God. The mob let them go. 
Because of their courage and commitment, the Lord revealed that they would receive an endowment from God and the Kirtland Temple. David's time in Kirtland was a spiritually powerful time for him. After a man's collarbone was broken during an attack from a mob, David was asked to bless him and the man was instantly healed. David saw angels during the saints' Pentecostal experience in the Kirtland Temple. Two days later, he participated in the ordinance of washing of feet. Yet great light is often accompanied by great darkness. Caught in doubt and pride, Oliver convinced the entire Whitmer family that one of Joseph's revelations contained an error. Eventually, the issue was resolved with the help of Joseph. In another couple of months, David's brother-in-law, Hiram Page, started receiving false revelations by a stone he acquired, deceiving the Whitmer family and Oliver. Although the issue was resolved, these two events had a negative impact upon David. The Lord warned David that he feared man over God, focused on the things of the earth more than on the things of God, and was not giving heed unto the Spirit and to those who were set over him. David eventually decided to leave the church primarily because he experienced doubts the prophet had gone astray and after 1836 did not accept any revelation received by Joseph. David was excommunicated for apostasy. Despite his struggles with doubt and pride, David remained faithful to his testimony of the Book of Mormon. After his excommunication in response to someone's claim that he denied his testimony of the Book of Mormon, David said that the world may know the truth. I wish now, standing as it were, in the very sunset of life and in the fear of God, once for all to make this public statement, that I have never at any time denied that testimony or any part thereof, which has so long since been published with that book, as one of the three witnesses. Those who know me best well know that I have always adhered to that testimony, and that no man may be misled or doubt my present views in regard to the same, I do again affirm the truth of all my statements, as then made and published. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. It was no delusion. What is written is written, and he that readeth, let him understand. David was consistent with this testimony until the end of his life. Who was Martin Harris? Martin Harris was a well-respected, industrious, hard-working farmer and businessman. In the span of 14 years, he acquired 320 acres of farmland and built his family of seven a nice home. Knowing his reputation, Joseph's family asked him for help with the funding of the Book of Mormon publication. After praying and receiving an answer through the still small voice spoken in the soul, he felt it was the Lord's work and that he was under a covenant to bring it forth. Both Martin and his wife Lucy visited Joseph and offered to pay for the publication. During 1828, Martin served as Joseph's scribe. He experienced some doubt during the process. For example, he switched Joseph's seer stone with another stone to see if Joseph would continue translating. When Joseph couldn't translate, Martin confessed and returned the seer stone. As Martin's faith in the work grew, his wife, Lucy's, diminished. She feared the tainting of her family's reputation with the possibly fraudulent endeavor of Joseph. She also felt angry that Joseph would not let her see the plates. These differences in perspectives created great tension in their marriage. Wanting in part to ease this tension, Martin requested to take the manuscript home to show his wife and others. Joseph, wanting to please his friend, prayed to the Lord who responded that he must not. Dissatisfied, Martin asked Joseph to pray again. He received the same response from the Lord. 
After Martin's third plea, Joseph received permission from the Lord with the conditions that Martin only show certain members of his family. Unfortunately, when Martin brought the manuscript home, somehow it was lost. There are many theories, but little evidence to determine what really happened. After searching everywhere, Martin walked to Joseph's house, ashamed, and declared to Joseph, Oh, I have lost my soul. Joseph left the house to pray for mercy, and an angel rebuked him for fearing his friend's opinion over God's commandments. However, the angel also reminded Joseph that God is merciful and promised that if he repented, he was still chosen and called to do the work. The Lord eventually forgave both Joseph and Martin after they humbled themselves. Joseph started the translation process again, this time with Oliver as the scribe. Towards the end of the translation, when Joseph said his prayer about the three witnesses, God promised that if Martin humbled himself in mighty prayer and faith, he would have the privilege of seeing the plates. In June of 1829, the men went near the home to pray for the experience, but nothing was happening. Feeling it was his fault, Martin went on his own to pray. An angel then appeared to Oliver and David with the plates. Joseph went to look for Martin, who had humbled his heart in prayer, and together they saw the plates. Martin shouted, "'Tis enough, tis enough, mine eyes have beheld, mine eyes have beheld." With newly strengthened faith, Martin gave up all of his property to pay for the publication of the Book of Mormon. This decision made Martin the most significant financial supporter of the Book of Mormon, and thus the early church. Martin continued to serve until during the difficult church years of the late 1830s, he separated himself from the church and was eventually excommunicated. Five years later, he humbled himself and was rebaptized in 1842. Later, when the saints, including his second wife and family, traveled west, he stayed behind. He continued to take care of the Kirtland Temple and preach the gospel. Eventually, in 1870, now 87 years old, Martin joined the saints in Utah by train. On his deathbed, he proclaimed, I did go in the woods with Joseph Smith and beheld an angel descend from heaven in a dazzling light of glory. I saw the gold plates. I saw him turn the leaves over one by one, and I was commanded by God's voice to testify to all the world what I had seen and heard. Martin passed away in Clarkston, Utah at age 92. Who were the eight witnesses? Christian, Jacob, Peter, and John Whitmer were all David's brothers. Both Christian and Peter were faithful members of the church until their early death. In a eulogy, Oliver described the two as the first to embrace the new covenant on hearing it, and during a constant scene of persecution and perplexity, to their last moments, maintained its truth. They proclaimed to their last moments the certainty of their former testimony. Jacob and John eventually left the church with David, but Jacob's son declared him to be always faithful and true to his testimony to the Book of Mormon and confirmed it on his deathbed. Even as a self-declared enemy to Joseph Smith and an apostate, John Whitmer affirmed, I handled those plates. There were fine engravings on both sides. They were shown to me by a supernatural power. John wrote a letter in 1876 stating that he had never heard that any one of the three or eight witnesses ever denied the testimony that they have borne. Hiram Page was David's brother-in-law. He also left the church with the others but remained true to his testimony of the Book of Mormon, stating, As to the Book of Mormon, it would be doing injustice to myself and to the work of God of the last days, 
To say that I could know a thing to be true in 1830 and know the same thing to be false in 1847. Page's son stated, I knew my father to be true and faithful to his testimony of the divinity of the Book of Mormon until the very last. Whenever he had an opportunity to bear his testimony to this effect, he would always do so and seemed to rejoice exceedingly in having been privileged to see the plates. Joseph's father was also a witness. Known as a cheerful, spiritually active, truth-seeking farmer, he eventually became a patriarch. When he was imprisoned and told he would be freed if he would deny the Book of Mormon, he did not deny it, but instead converted two people during a 30-day confinement. He remained a member his entire life. Joseph's brothers, Hiram and Samuel, were both faithful members of the church until their deaths. After being in Liberty Jail, Hiram wrote, I felt a determination to die rather than deny the things which my eyes had seen, which my hands had handled, and which I had borne testimony to. There were also other witnesses not included in the official testimonies. One of my favorite stories is about David Whitmer's mom. When the translation work was taking place on the Whitmer farm, David's mom provided for their temporal needs so they could focus on the translation. One evening after finishing all of her work, she was approached by a stranger who said, You have been very faithful and diligent in your labors, but you are tired because of the increase of your toil. It is proper, therefore, that you should receive a witness that your faith may be strengthened. Removing the gold plates from a knapsack on his back, he showed her each leaf and promised her that if she kept working diligently, her reward would be sure. She was a strong believer in the Book of Mormon till the day of her death. This is only one of many miracles that took place because of the Book of Mormon. So what can we learn from the witnesses' experiences? Elder Dallin H. Oaks describes three truths we can learn from them. First, witnesses are important and the testimony of the three witnesses to the Book of Mormon is impressive and reliable. Second, happiness and spiritual progress lie in following the leaders of the church. Third, there is hope for each of us, even if we have sinned and strayed from a favored position. The men of the early church were imperfect people called by God to do his work. They exercised faith, struggled to overcome doubt, and sacrificed so much for the cause of God. Their experiences can inspire us to be bolder, braver disciples of Jesus Christ right now. For the challenge of the week, I invite you to reflect upon your own role in furthering God's work. What work does God have for you? Have you been afraid to do something you know is right? Have you delayed any prompting from God to act or to change? This is your week to do something about what came to your mind. A couple of things popped up for me, so I'll definitely be taking the challenge too. Feel free to read about my challenge experience and post your own personal experiences on my blog at scripturestudy.wixsite.com jams. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to my podcast for more helpful episodes.